Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Thanks for stopping by. You okay? Mr. Kelly was uh, cleaning his microphone. Well, I'm going to put it over it. That makes sure that everything I say (laughs) is clean. If I say a bad word, it'll clean it before it reaches the... Well, that makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) And, folks, we'll be taking the good gardening stroll shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns... Warm weather, thank goodness gracious. Man, oh man. Nice, isn't it? Absolutely. When I look out, I can't believe how sunny it is. Yes, it's beautiful. So when you drove in today, how about fog? Yeah, a little bit of fog. Just a little. And a little, what, it was about an hour ago here, it got really thick downtown for a few minutes. Not for a long time, but yeah. But I came through a little bit on the east side, yeah. Wow. Yeah. So, but the moon was full. It was gorgeous. Oh, really? I missed yeah. that. Darn oh, it. just beautiful. You got to get up at four in the morning. Good for you. <laughs> I was up at four. <laughs> oh, you were? Yeah. <laughs> I got to get outside at four in the morning. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> yes. No, it was very nice. And I'm looking forward to a pretty nice weekend to get out in the yard a little bit and uh, get ready. Right. So you got to tell us when we can start planting stuff, man. Sounds perfect. All right. <laughs> I say right now. Okay. <laughs> I'm, I'm heading home. All right. Great. <laughs> Folks, it is Saturday morning. We get together and we have a discussion about what's going on in your yard. And uh, should you make some changes? Do you need to have a new space to do whatever it happens to be? Maybe grow herbs. Maybe who knows what. Vegetables. Maybe flowers. Maybe you want a monarch garden in your landscape. And uh, you ask, if I'm going to put some plants or seeds in pots, what do I use? Potting mix? Potting soil? Or how to improve your soil and your yard. Should you be out there pruning and shearing right now? Uh, When I was looking out my kitchen window the other day, I saw a bagworm hanging on my mugo pine. I thought, bagworms don't get on mugo pine. So I went out and yanked that stupid thing off and threw it out in the street. How about diseases? And the information that I'm going to share with you Uh, Hopefully, we'll make you orchestrate a decision that's going to solidify your options. And the final judgment for action is going to be yours. But uh, hopefully, I will help you a little bit. And this is your show, and I appreciate you inviting me into your home or wherever you happen to be listening. Another important player is Alex. He's producing, so he answers the phone. What he needs to know is your first name and where you're calling from, and that's pretty much it. I'm Mike Miller. I've been hosting the Garden Hotline since 1994, 
And I come to your home and I can do landscape consultations, which I call walk and talks. You go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. On the homepage is my email address and phone number where I can be reached. Today, I'm headed to Florissant after the show. Well, let's get moving. Today's stroll is brought to you by St. Louis Composting, 636-861-3344. Well, you know, they say neon lights are bright on Broadway, and there's magic in the air. Well, at Broadway and Bates, that's where Bell Reef Park is. Ah, there is no neon lights, but there are street lights. And the magic this morning was a fog that was so dense, it was unbelievable. This uh, Bell Reef Park sits up on top of the bluffs, and you could not see, you could barely see 30 feet ahead. It was so thick. It was unbelievable. And uh, so it, it made for a very interesting time. But uh, as I curved up uh, into the park off uh, Bates slash Bra- actually off Bates where you had to kind of zigzag a little bit onto uh, Broadway. But uh, first thing you see is some Norway and Colorado spruces and some Austrian pines. There is a sidewalk that links the street below to the park. And uh, there's some signage there, too, that says Broadway Bluffs, historic area. There's benches p- positioned along the lawn areas which when, the, when the, the fog is not there, you can really get a fantastic view across the river. And just, you know, it's just unbelievable. And uh, it's just nice. There was a lot of birds out early. So, I mean, this is very, very early. It was very foggy and still quite dark. Uh, but uh, this grayness of the fog, huh? I didn't. It's okay. Multi-trunk river birch. Wow. It is really striking. There's various sizes of maples and oak trees as well. Squirrels were wandering around trying to find something to eat. It looked like they had already eaten all the acorns off most of the oak trees. So they thought, hmm, maybe somebody left something for me. There is a picnic table there that has it's been chained to keep anybody from moving in any place. But it's so old that the legs are broken off. So when you sit down, you're almost like sitting on the ground, but you're not on the ground actually. And uh, that sits very near the restroom pavilion. There's sycamore trees with the sycamore balls all over the ground, and they've exploded. And they're adding texture to a yucca, which is uh, underneath the, uh, this, the sycamore tree. Squirrels, as I said, were checking out for various things as the birds were flying here, there, and everywhere. The playground is waiting for warmer temperatures. A large two-sided sign explains Carondelet City history. So Carondelet City was the name Frenchmen founded this whole area at that point, and consequently, ultimately, it became St. Louis. A little bit further down, you can see uh, Milkweed for Monarchs Butterfly Project, St. Louis Butterfly Project. And finally, the sun was beginning to push through the fog, but not very much. But you could see at least the brightness of the sun, like some kind of floodlight in the distance. Well... That meant it was kind of time to get moving and to leave Bell Reef Park today, and it was fantastic. I will tell you, though, on the drive from Bell Reef Park, I took Broadway most of the way um, to get here to the station. The fog was so dense, I could barely see 20 or 25 feet. And then suddenly when I went past, I can't remember which street it, which street it is. It might be Walnut. Suddenly the fog was gone. It was, like, unbelievable. It was dense. It was like a big cloud and then whoosh, went away. But anyway, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Questions, comments, or concerns? 
Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We have some phone lines open, and the garden season's here. Thank goodness. Let's start off with Ken. Hi, Ken. How are you? Oh, I'm doing fine. Um, that, that was quite a morning walk. <laughs> it you was great. You be worn out by now. <laughs> now, that park's not really that big. Well, I've got uh, several questions for you. First off, I have a peony, and I would like to transplant that into another area. When would be the best time to do that? Uh, do you know exactly where it is? Well, I've got a couple locations. Okay. I mean, where it's actually growing from. I would wait until you start to see the leaves come up, you know, and actually, so you can find out how many leaves there are, how big the actual, let's say, tuberous root system is, and then go out there and however far the go out about two inches beyond the furthest extension of where the leaves are coming up out of the ground. You know how they come up and look like a hand, but uh, right. then dig all the way around and go down about six or eight inches deep, and then you could do it if you can get it done ASAP. Then you should be okay. And what kind of fertilizer should I use? When you're, when you're planting none, just, you know, make sure the soil is well, you know, amended with some compost and things like that. But don't put any fertilizer in the hole or anything. Don't fertilize it at all for probably maybe one or two years. Let it get established and then do the fertilizing. Because sometimes fertilizing on recent transplants like this can cause some growth that's not going to be healthy growth at all. And it could have an adverse impact on the root system. So in other words, if I want to take this peony, which is about 10 years old, mm-hmm. but it was getting smaller and smaller. Ooh. And I'm thinking, you know, maybe it's because of the shade, the tree gets bigger, more leaves. Oh, absolutely. So, in the root system. Yes. Yeah, so I thought about moving that to a different area. Yeah, to full sun. Full sun. Right. All right. Now, my other question is uh, fertilizer. Like, what do you use 12, 12, 12 for and 10, 10, 10? I, there are some people, you know, there's some in a, organizations and stuff that recommend using those fertilizers. Those fertilizers were developed specifically for more or less single season crops. So I just don't think, you know, without having a soil test done or anything, to continue to use something which has the last two numbers relatively high percentage-wise, you could be doing some really damage to the plant material you're using, as well as, you know, it's a very quick-release type thing. So it's, you know, it basically goes away. So get a soil test and get a fertilizer that more or less is, I don't want to say customized to, uh, what you're going to put it on, whether it's lawn, whether it's perennials, whether it's trees, whether it's shrubs, or whatever it happens to be, as opposed to just using triple 10 or triple 12 or something along that line. And uh, another question on uh, fertilizing, what do you recommend for, like, day lilies? Uh, basically, just probably a low analysis. I don't know, are they healthy? Are they still flowering? Or do they look good? 
Uh, well, I planted them last year. Oh, so no fertilizer for the first two years. No fertilizer. Right. All right. And for some of my older plants, you know, like miracle Grow uh, is fine. But the only pro- problem is I have a lot of plants. In, in fact, one area is like a, 120 feet long with plants. That gets very expensive. Right. What kind of fertilizer would be uh, cheaper to use? I would probably just fertilize the soil by adding organic matter to it as opposed to using fertilizer. If the plants are healthy and everything else, then again, get a soil test done. It's going to cost you $25 and it could eliminate any kind of problems that you would have. Then if the soil test says you have adequate amount of fertilizer or you have adequate amount of phosphorus, adequate amount of potassium, then you can go to your favorite garden center and say, here's my soil test. What kind of fertilizer do you have that can fit into this you know, scenario? Well, Mike, I appreciate it. Uh, I think you answered all my questions, and you have a good day, and maybe take a nap in the afternoon <laughs> after that long uh, journey this morning. <laughs> Well, thanks. Greatly appreciate it. But when it's this nice and this sunny and this warm, I can't take a nap. <laughs> okay. But thanks. I'll take I'll take one for you. All right. Sounds great. All righty. And let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a couple questions. I want to trim um, some boxwoods and. Um, use when when should I trim those before the new growth begins so would that be now or yeah wait a- basically uh, we should hopefully be past any kind of damaging cold snow that's going to come and so you could do the pruning right now just watch okay. out how far back you prune them if you prune them back beyond where the with the boxwood any foliage or with the use with any needles then recovery may be a very long process and it may not happen. So, And watch out how much you're taking off anyway, just in general. Okay, well, that's my question. They're, they're bigger than I want them to be. Um, the boxwood are about three feet tall. Uh, can I take off a foot? Uh, I would be very cautious about that. If you want to reduce the size, uh, what you probably should do is maybe take off three or four inches and do it a couple years in a row as opposed to taking off a foot at once. Because if you if you look down in there one foot, you're going to get to the point where there is no foliage. And for the recovery, it may it may happen and it may be fine, but you're taking a chance that uh, the, 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 the foliage buds that are along the stems there, that are no longer, you know, are functional. I mean, they lost the leaves on the inside because the, the sun factor and other, you know, things along that line, just a natural occurrence, but whether those buds that would now be exposed are going to be able to recover from that being, you know, suddenly exposed is going to be a, a real iffy, ter- you know, iffy circumstance, let's right. put it that well, way. Well, I don't shear them off. I, I mean, I go in and hand prune each branch. Okay. So well, could I take it down doing it that way? Uh, you're still going to expose, you know, I would say just be cautious about doing it. Okay, so you're recommending what about three inches? Three to four inches at the most. Okay, and how about the use? Same thing, pretty much. Same thing. Okay, and I was just listening about the fertilizer. I should have. I, I don't fertilize these, and they seem to be doing fine. Do they need fertilizer? Uh, if they're if they're healthy and everything else, the only thing I would be concerned with 
is the proximity of where they're growing because both those plants need an acidic soil. So consequently, if they're next to the house foundation or along a concrete driveway or sidewalk or something like that, the acidity of the soil may be bad news and they may be starting to get alkaline. So even though they look healthy, they you know the soil chemistry may all you know suddenly be to the point where it's going to start making them not look so good. So that so would be. So if I do a soil test, I should do it right up because they are next to the house. Yeah. So basically, uh, what that's going to tell you is going to tell you the nutrient level, and also it's going to tell you what the soil pH is. Okay. So I should take the test though from where the plants are, not out in the yard. Exactly. Right. Right where they're growing, basically. Okay. All righty. Great. Thanks so much. Certainly. My pleasure. Thanks. Have a good day. Yes. Bye-bye. And now let's head over to Lynn's yard. Hi, Lynn. Oh, hey, Mike. Uh, I love your descriptive story. That was great. <laughs> well, thanks. Hey, I have um, some issues with my yard. Uh, I just got poor uh, grass growth, and um, probably for the last 15 years it hasn't been fertilized, and I'm imagining it's pretty compacted. And, uh, you know, different weeds. I've got different things flowering all year long in my lawn. And um, this uh, past summer I had uh, a project done, and I brought in a lot of fill, or the contractor did, and it seems to not have much organic matter to it. So my my general thought was to uh, bring in maybe a layer of one inch of uh, compost topsoil and cover the whole lawn and then till it in, to break up some of the compaction and uh, to fertilize the soil to get some nutrients in it. Um, but I uh, was wondering if, as a, it seems like tilling up the soil would create could create a big mess. And uh, you know, I was thinking maybe of uh, aeration uh, or how those two would compare. Number one, and number two, before I do it, should I kill everything on the lawn before I reseed it or kind of, you know, go with what's there. Well, if if you've had 15 years where you haven't really gotten into doing the stuff with the lawn, if you kill everything off that's not grass, you're, you're going to end up with, you know, just a blank space more more than likely. And if mm-hmm. you rototill it, it's going to be just a giant sea of mud. So right. I don't know how big your lawn is or anything else, but probably what I would do is I would just go ahead and get a, you know, get a core aerated, and you know, put some uh, compost down right, you know, afterwards so it can fall down in the holes, and just start building your soil up and help with the soil compaction. And then before I did any kind of you know seeding, if that's how what your plan is, uh, I yeah. would probably do the overseeding in like late August through September. In the springtime, it's just the soil temperature is still cold. Germination rate is not good. People think if you put straw down, it's going to help, which it doesn't. So I would say just kind of start building your soil up. And then, like I said, core aeration now, compost, and then again next, you know, in like early August before you do any overseeding at all at that time. And it's just going to be a long, involved process to have a successful, adequately looking as far as the lawn goes. Okay. All right. Very good. Thanks a lot for the advice. I appreciate it. Sure. Yeah, it's because if you try to rush and get something done, unless you're going to sod, but even sodding, if you rototill everything for the sod to get established, and uh, uh, it's just going to be a giant mess. So just 
just be patient, and it's going to take a while. There's no getting around it. Okay. Very good. Sounds like a good plan. Thank you so much. Sure. Let's head over to Mary Ann's yard. Hi, Mary Ann. Hi, Mike. Um, I have a variegated euonymus shrub. It's about, oh, it's almost two feet high, and I've had it for a couple of years. And when we had all that snow, I saw a deer nibbling on it, and I chased him away, and the next morning all the leaves are gone. <laughs> um, well, is, will that survive? <laughs> it, sh- it should survive, but you're saying he ate, the deer ate all the leaves? All the leaves except the bottom couple inches, which were covered with snow. Right. Oh. It's going to be... So now uh, all I see is, you know, just the bare twigs sticking up. It's right. Like, do I dig it up or will those leaves come back? Uh, if they come back, it's going to be still very, very sparse. So uh, I would say if you want to be patient, go ahead and just leave it alone and see what happens. If you start to see some new foliage emerge from where, you know, where the deer ate the foliage off, then it's probably not going to be the uh, the entire twig. But my thinking is, I don't know how important this is or anything else, you know, to really take, if you want to, if you want to be patient, go ahead and just kind of watch it f- until, you know, through the springtime, through the summertime, see what happens. And then when fall rolls around, if you're not satisfied with the aesthetic value of it, then head to your favorite garden center and get a replacement at that time. Yeah, well, I have no patience, so it's probably, <laughs> <laughs> it's probably a goner. So much for Bambi. I was ready to shoot him. <laughs> <laughs> okay, thank you very much. Sure. Enjoy yourself. Yeah. Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, after my walk and talk up in Florissant, I'm going to head home, and I still have the mulch on my, the, the pots where I'm growing my daffodils and tulips and crocus and grape hyacinths and things like that. So today I'm going to start taking the mulch off. So uh, Hopefully, I'm going to see some foliage because I don't know if you were listening last week, but I'm a little bit concerned about that cold spell that we had impacting adversely my bulbs that were growing in pots. Because a couple years ago when we had a really strong streak of really cold weather, um, several of them froze in the pots. So that's one of the disadvantages of pots, but the advantage is they're mobile and I can play with them and move them around and do whatever I want to. So... I'm not going to stop putting them in pots, but, uh, you know, sometimes it can be a little depressing. Anyway, let's go over to Kyle's yard. Kyle, how are you? I'm good, Mike. Thank you. Uh, I have a large stand of Pachysandra, and uh, it's, it's real hard to get in there. Sorry about that. And uh, and trim them back. I pruned them back last year as best I could, and they, they really seemed to help the growth because they were getting leggy. So, I was reading somewhere that you could actually take your lawnmower and put it on the highest setting and cut them that way. Is that something that 
you would recommend? It sounds kind of weird, but it would sure be a lot easier than what I was doing last year. No, actually, when I worked at the Botanical Garden, there was a stand. Uh, you know, I worked in the English Woodland Garden, and there was other areas besides the exact Woodland Garden that I had to take care of. And that's what I did uh, with a pack of Sandra stand there, was set the mower high and then mow over the top of it. And, it, you know, it certainly can help because, you know, it, it's a little frightening right at first, but— uh, Beyond that, I think it's a good idea. Just, you know, I mean, just be careful. Don't go over the same spots too many times because then you start breaking the stems off and everything. But uh, it's pretty tough stuff. And and so the uh, what you cut off, the, the um, you know, the waste or whatever, can you just leave it in there or do you, should you get that stuff out of there? Oh, you can't get it out. So okay. you just, you know, just kind of leave it sit. And some people have, you know, would see me doing that. And they say, well, the top of the pack of Sandra that's been cut off, you know, is that going to be able to land on the ground and then root? And I said, no, it's not going to happen. But it's going to add organic matter, you know, more or less like an organic mulch to the base of all the pack of Sandra where it's been cut from. Great. So I guess one other thing kind of in those lines, all the leaves that have, have collected there over the winter, uh, fall, I can just leave all that in there? Yeah, definitely. Okay. Because, okay, I mean, when you, you mow, you're going to chop up a bunch of that stuff, too. Yeah. Okay. Great. And, and uh, yeah. Okay. So, But probably set the mower as high as I can get it, you think? Absolutely. And, yeah, just, be, you know, be careful that, uh, you know, like I said, don't walk back and forth, you know, go one yeah. direction and don't come back the same way. Right. Okay. Thank you. Sure. Yeah, it's, uh, that was, I mean, it was just, if you go in there and you try to rake, or you try to do something else, it's not. It's going to be way, way too much work, and it's not going to be to the advantage of the pack of Sandra. Let's head now over to Jay's yard. Hi, Jay. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my phone, my sure. phone call. Um, two, two quick questions. One, uh, last uh, late April, May, uh, during the pandemic, we planted a couple new limelight hydrangeas, and throughout the summer and fall, it, they bloomed beautifully. They were they were great. And I called you in the fall late fall or so, you told me, you know what, don't cut those back yet. And now I'm wondering, is now the time to cut those back before the season starts? I would say leave them alone because we had that okay. you know, severe cold spell. And so there may have been some twig damage as a result of those 13 or 14 days where it didn't get above freezing at all. And just okay. wait and don't cut anything at all. And just once you they start leafing out, then anything that doesn't have any leaves on it, cut that off but just kind of leave them alone. And I'm saying that as well weather-wise, but also the first couple years after you install some plant material, pruning them is you know kind of to the disadvantage other than taking out the dead wood or dead stems or whatever, dead twigs, because you want to have the maximum amount of leaves on there because the leaves make food, and that helps get the root system established. Sure. Okay. So, yeah. So just leave them alone. Um, the uh, blooms themselves, the balls, during the during the winter, obviously stayed on there, but they they were all gone. But just uh, leave them alone, then. Yeah, just I mean, where the where the actual blooms were, if you can see that, you can cut that off. Go ahead and cut that off, but don't cut off anything else. <clears throat> okay, and then uh, uh, second quick question: uh, We got a beautiful uh, knockoff rose bush right in front of our patio that is so nice that it grows real big and covers our patio when we're sitting out there. My wife would like to transplant it. Is that advised? Is that a, a suggestion or, or not? If it's that big, no. 
<laughs> okay. It's, it that's way too much work. The root ball will weigh a ton. You're better off to move it, you know, get a new one and plant it in the location that she wants to. I, and if, if it's problematic because of where it's growing, then you just kind of get rid of it. Yeah, it's it's beautiful though. It blooms beautifully, right. and, and we cut it back. We cut it back, and it stays. She just, I don't know. I guess she wants all the neighbors to see her when she's sitting out there. I guess <laughs> she's sort of anti what most people are. They don't want you know everybody looking at them. <laughs> okay, sounds good. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Sure, my pleasure. And now let's jump to Belleville and into Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hello. Hi. I've got a question about English ivy. I've got a hill, and I like to cut it back. Um, is it too soon to do that? No, you're probably better off to do it now rather than when the new growth begins. So uh, I don't know how you're planning on cutting it. Is, does weed it look, whacker. Pardon me? With a weed whacker. Okay. Just make sure that you don't get, that you make a nice even cut and you don't start, you know, hold it steady and everything else. Because if you dig, if you cut down too deep, you could cause some damage. Okay. Now, and do, I got a second question, follow-up about the guy was talking about the knockout roses. Mm-hmm. I've got three little ones that I guess they never got enough sun where I planted them originally. They've been in the ground for more than five years, and I like to transplant them. Can I transplant them now, or should I wait until March or no. end of March? Get a, do, do it ASAP. Okay. As soon as you possibly can. So. What you want to do is this is a time of year where garden centers would get, let's say, bare root roses and things along that line. But just make sure you dig an adequate root ball around it. And to go back to your ivy a little bit, I don't know how steep this slope is, and I don't know if you're going to do the work yourself. But if you can, like I was talking to the gentleman about this pachysandra, if you can mow over that with a mower, then it's going to make a nice even cut through the whole thing. Yeah, I, I try cutting most of it, but the the part of the hill is way too steep for okay. that. Okay, right. So, okay. And then with the knockout roses, before I transplant them, can I cut them back? Oh, yeah, you can go ahead and cut them back. Cut them back to about, uh, I, how big are they right now? Probably about three feet. Uh, I would cut about, you know, maybe half of them off. Okay, okay. I appreciate all the information. Thank you. Sure, my pleasure. And uh, make sure that, you know, when you're going to move them and where you're going to move them to is in full sun and you dig a really adequate hole, mix some compost into the ground, into the soil and everything else before you actually transplant them and plant them in the new location. And how far apart do you recommend planting those three? Uh, It all depends on what you want out of them. But uh, if you want to plant them in a straight line, I would say probably six or seven feet apart. Okay. Thank you so much. Yep. And, you know, to get more of a, let's say, a fuller feel, then plant them in a zigzag with two, then one in the kind of the center. But still, that is six or seven feet apart. So anyway, let's uh, take a break. Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, I just got a phone call from Annette. That's the lady who lives in Florissant, and I was supposed to uh, visit her house or her apartment today, and she said, could, could we possibly cancel? Yes, Annette, we can cancel, uh, so don't worry about it. It's no big deal. But anyway, so let's head over to Ron Jard. Hi, Ron. Hi, Mike. Uh, hey, I got a couple questions. Uh, I've got this house about 11 years ago, 
and it came with several thick clumps of ornamental grasses. And uh, they're about a foot, foot and a half high, and about two feet wide, I would guess. Anyway, every winter I cut them down to about one to two inches high, and in the spring they come back strong, and they're strong all all year. And then I and they produce some tiny berries in the fall, and then I do the cutting them back again in the winter. Now my question is this: Should I keep cutting them back, or should I let them go? And if so, how will the new growth? manage with the old growth. <laughs> uh, if, you, if you've had success and you like how they look, I would say keep doing what you've been doing. Uh-huh. You, you, can't, you, know, you can't argue with success. So without knowing specifically now, when you're saying they're berries, are they basically like dark blue berries? Well, they're tiny, tiny dark purple-blue things. Yes. Right. So it's probably not really an ornamental grass. It might be a type of liriope, which is... Oh, I don't... Yeah, I mean, that would be my guess. It's a clump variety of liriope, and that's a ground cover. And, it's, you know, in theory, clump type means it doesn't spread aggressively. It stays pretty much the same size. It will get a little bit bigger. But, uh, I, you know, I would say just keep doing what you've been doing. Okay, okay. Uh, by the end of the winter, I just did it a few days ago. By the end of the winter, they are sort of flattened. Right. The, the long, thin leaves are kind of flattened. Right. That's because of the rain and the snow and right. everything and laying down on top of them. So there's nothing you can do to prevent that from happening. Right. Well, they're, now they're short again, so I'll, I'll just watch them grow again in the spring. Right. Okay, thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. Yeah, liriope, some people, common name-wise, uh, call it monkey grass or lily turf. And so it has the bluish flowers in the summer, and that's followed by the berries. But as soon as you said berries, I knew it wasn't technically. It's a, it's a has a narrow blade like a grass, so it's considered a grass from that standpoint. But perspective-wise, it's not an ornamental grass. So anyway, let's head over to Barb's yard. Hi, Barb. Hi. Last year I planted a bed of coreopsis and a silby, and I didn't do anything when fall came should I cut that down to the ground before spring, or what do I do? Yeah. Now, did you put them together? The the uh, coreopsis is in the back, and the astilbe is in the front. Because the astilbe really likes a moister soil than the coreopsis does. Oh. So just okay. be you know be conscious and be careful of that, because okay. you know if you do the watering the astilbe needs, it might be too much water for the coreopsis. So hopefully, there's enough of a gap that if you do need to do some extra watering to keep the astilbe, let's say, healthy, it's not going to impact your coreopsis. But, yeah, okay. any, other, any kind of herbaceous perennial that has any foliage that's left over or flower stalks or anything from last year, go ahead and cut it before the new growth begins. It's much easier to do it then. So should I do that like in March sometime? Well, you could do it today. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, yeah, just before you start to see any new growth coming up out of the ground, do it, you know, get okay. it done before then. And it's not really for the overall health. You don't have to do it necessarily. It's an aesthetic call more so than anything. But if you sure. do it before the new growth begins, then you don't have to worry about damaging with the either cutting or stepping or, or whatever it happens to be. Kind of getting down in there, yeah. Exactly. Okay. All right. Well, then I will probably do it today or one day next week. All right. Sounds perfect. That sounds great. Thank you so much. Certainly. My pleasure. Mm-hmm. Bye. Now let's go from Barb's yard over to Rick's yard. Rick, how are you today? Good. Good. I got a question. Uh, 
I bought some malorganite uh, last year, but I forgot to put it down. Um, if I put it down now, would that be a bad idea, or would that interfere with my crabgrass preventer when I put that down? No. I mean, malorganite is a fertilizer. It doesn't have anything to do with, you know, as far as preventing anything. So crabgrass preventer or anything else, I would say... I you know it shouldn't be problematic from one one perspective or the other because the crabgrass preventer now what I would do is stay off you know once you put the crabgrass preventer down you know what that does it creates a more or less a sheet on top of the ground and then when the crabgrass seed germinates it kills it so don't put the let's say don't put the uh, I would you know yeah. Your crabgrass preventer is going to be put down when the yellow forsythia is in bloom. I'd probably put the more, you know, go ahead and put the malorganite down now and maybe lightly rake it and so it kind of breaks the surface of the soil up where you're putting it down and then wait until the forsythia is in bloom, then put the crabgrass preventer down on top of the malorganite. Okay. You So you're saying put it down now, don't. You know, I can wait if you think that's a better. No, option. I think you you can go ahead and do it now because, I mean, the plants okay. are going to start. I mean, they're going to start wanting some you know nutrients. Malorganite is a very low analysis fertilizer, so it's just going to give them a little bit of a, a boost. Yeah, I think the bag said to put it down at like Christmas time or something like that. Yeah, that's a uh, little bit. But I missed that window <laughs> a little bit. Understandable. All right. Well, we'll we'll get to it then. All right. I appreciate great. It. Good luck, Rick. And now let's see. Dave, could you do it real quick? Hello. Hi. Mike? Yes. Hey, I was wondering if you could do a walk around with me today since the lady canceled. Uh, uh, basically, I can't, you know, it's a little bit, too, you know, I really can't. Okay. But what you can do is just con- leave a message on my, you know, s- email-wise or my, uh, uh, you know, phone okay. answering machine, and then we'll go from there. Okay. It's in O'Fallon, Missouri. Ah. All right. So, I will do. All Thanks. right. Great. Thanks. Bye. Bye. Yeah, it's a little bit too tough to orchestrate that. Oh. And, uh, and, uh, what's her name? Oh. Hello. How are you? Hello. This is Mike Miller. Hi, Mike Miller. Hello. Thank you for your wonderful show. Um, and I am calling for the same reason the gentleman just called prior. Um, we are in Belleville, Illinois, and I wanted to know if you might be able to come over to our yard for a walk and talk today since the lady canceled. But <laughs> we can schedule it another time if that would be better. Yeah, it would be because I got, you know, I have, a, I have to get it in the computer. I got other things I got to, you know, put sure. together. So it's just sure. a little bit, you know. I'm not an Uber. And what number, <laughs> what number should I call to schedule that? Uh, you can just go to MikeMillerDesigns.com, and then on the homepage, that, my phone number and my email address will be right there. Okay. And, Mike, is that M-I-L-L-E-R? Yep. I wish it had a okay. fancy spelling, but it doesn't. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you so much. I love listening to your show. Well, you have a great weekend. Well, thanks. Thanks for having me on your show. Wow, that's a little bit scary. <laughs> <laughs> well, not scary. I appreciate it. And, uh, you know, the lady called and said she, just, you know, she needed to cancel. So that's fine. But, uh, you know, it's it's a little bit tough for me to, you know, orchestrate things on the spur of the moment like that. I'm just too stuck in a rut because I'm too old. I can't be flexible. Anyway, 
But uh, yeah, just email me or give me a call and I'll get back in touch with you and we can do something uh, uh, relatively soon. So anyway, it's perfect weather. Thank goodness we're getting in warmth. It's going to make everything start to explode and I can't wait. I mean, winter is fine. I know we all want to have that sort of rest period and everything else, but boy, oh boy, it's personally... Deciduous trees, I feel sorry for them. They look really ugly during the wintertime. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these news times. KMOX and your service. Welcome to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Now, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks. Garden Tip of the Trial Hour, which I'll be giving shortly, but right now, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Your ideas, questions, concerns, or comments. And sorry, folks, I can't just sort of like show up at your house because a lady canceled the appointment. <laughs> it just it doesn't work that way. I have a big corporation. It's me, myself, and nobody else. <laughs> but it's got to go through all those levels. Yes. You know, you got to work your way up to the top. Me, yeah. me, me. Yeah. Exactly. Me, 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 me. <laughs> anyway, did you say it was 49? 45. Oh, 45. It jumped from like 37 to yeah, 45 and, in the last hour. And eight, and, you know, yeah. eight degrees in an hour. Yeah. So, I like it when it's going up that way. <laughs> me too. Not so much when it's going down that way, <laughs> but when it's going up, we'll take it. So it shows you what great impact the sun oh, has. Oh, my goodness. Yes. So, yeah. Especially this, it seems like this time of year. When it's when it's cold, the sun really can make a difference. Of course, right. I guess when it's hot, it can too. So <laughs> I don't know, but, but it's nice. I mean, we still have three more weeks of winter time too. Yeah, That's, I know. So we're getting used to this kind of fifty stuff. Yeah, right. And I, I just <gasps> we're probably gonna have one more. Right. You know, cold spell, maybe snow. It'll probably but, come on St. Patrick's Day. <laughs> probably, probably. Yeah, that's okay. Yeah. Green beer will make it warmer. That's true. <laughs> that and Jameson. Okay. <laughs> thanks, Brian. You bet. Yes, folks, and thanks for having me on your show. We can discuss plant selection, ups and downs, and all the rounds of uh, your annuals. I'm going to head out since uh, the lady canceled the appointment and head to a couple garden centers. And... My house, aren't you? Yeah. <laughs> 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 and see if I can get some pansies. Uh, bulbs, like I said in the first hour, I've got mulch on top of all my pots and some of the bulbs I have in the ground. I'm going to start pulling some of the mulch away. So so hopefully I can see some uh, foliage starting to push up and through. And ground covers, your house plants, your lawn, your perennials, your roses, trees, shrubs, vines, or water gardens. I'll share my thoughts, but please remember my answers, comments, and opinions is not the only garden path but to take, but strictly offered for you to consider. Alex is producing, is across the big board. He answers the phone as well as pushes all the buttons and everything else. So when you call, he just needs your first name and where you're calling from. That's it. During the week and on weekends sometimes, I do landscape consulting, which I call a walk and talk. You can go to my website, MikeMillerDesigns.com. Homepage is where my email address and phone number is. You can contact me. And we'll set up a time where I can come and share 40-plus years of experience. I was so old. And uh, we can talk about uh, landscape design, plants, aesthetics, care, maintenance, whatever it happens to be. Tip of the Trial is a special recognition for individual, group, or a situation that's made an impression on me and is brought to you by St. Louis Composting. 
636-861-3344. I was a little surprised this morning when I went out and got in the car. I thought, whoa, you know, I mean, there was fog. I see, I can see fog. There's a cemetery at the end of the street, and it was really foggy back there. So I thought, oh. I looked at the car, and I thought, oh, this is probably just dew, humidity, whatever. And then I realized it was ice. So it was it totally caught me by surprise. So anyway, I'm going to give a tip of the trowel to Tom, who's a fireman that lives across the, angling across the street. When I was leaving, he was out there scraping his truck. He was headed to work. So anyway, Tom and all the St. Louis firemen for all the work that you do, it's greatly appreciated. I've seen you come and go so many different places. It's unbelievable. And how cool and calm and everything you maintain, even during these disastrous situations. So my tip of the trial today goes out to Tom and all the other St. Louis City firemen. Well, really all firemen, but uh, it was just Tom this morning. He was out there <laughs> scraping uh, the ice off his windshield and getting ready to go to work. So, And if you do have questions or concerns, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. Let's go to Jerry's yard, and he happens to live in Collinsville. Hi, Jerry. Yes. Uh, last time we had uh, spoke, uh, I mentioned about leaf rust on my perfusion crab, crab apple, and you said to spray them in the spring with some kind of herbicide. And uh, when should I do that? Uh, no, not you want to use a fungicide, not an herbicide. Oh. A fungicide. Yeah. So but what you can do now is if, as long as there hasn't been any growth that has started, uh, you could go ahead and spray them with dormant oil right now. That will help control some of the insects and it'll help. But as soon as the leaves start coming out, you know, if you want to skip the, the dormant oil for the insect control and a little bit of fungus control, uh, as soon as the leaves are probably about halfway out, Go to your favorite garden center, tell them that you have this problem and whatever fungicide they recommend that's, you know, they have in stock. Okay. Now my garlic, it's starting to pop up through through my mulch on top of it. Would it be a good time to pull that back now or just wait a while? Uh, Just, yeah, just carefully pull it back if you want to. There's probably no reason. Garlic's pretty tough stuff. So it shouldn't, even if we have, you know, the temperatures dropping and everything else, it shouldn't adversely affect them. Okay. All right. Thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah, definitely don't put an herbicide on any kind of plant, you know, related to the foliage or anything, because herbicides kill leaves, and it's not going to kill your plant or your tree necessarily, but uh, so it's fungicide. So you're trying to get rid of the fungus. Thank thank you for that. (laughs) Sure. And now let's go to Suzanne's yard. Hi, Suzanne. Hi. Um, Yes, I have a question about limelight hydrangeas. So last year I cut them back to about three feet, and they get very, very tall and I would say leggy, and the blooms on them though are huge. Um, it's just a beautiful plant. Mm-hmm. But then, in like towards summer when we get those heavy rains, the 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 um, blossoms of the flowers get super heavy, and they fall over. Right. So is there any way to get them more the stems more strong? Uh, what kind of situation are they growing in? How deep of the shade? Um, no shade. No well, shade. Some in the afternoon, maybe, but I mean, they're just very healthy and beautiful, but very leggy. Yeah. So you're going to have to just get some physical support, okay. basically. So, in other words, like, you know, how that they have peony rings and things to grow tomatoes in and something along that line. So that's what you're going to have to use. 
okay, so there's no way to really strengthen the the stem. No, if you know if they're healthy and you know and everything looks good, there's not you know. I mean, you could go ahead and, as I constantly say, get a soil test done, find out there may be, you know, some nutrient level that's not adequate, and that may have something to do with it, but uh, just the overall health and strength. But if all of them, you said you had three of them? Mm-hmm, yes. And they're all doing the same thing? Mm-hmm. So, to me, there's not too much you can do. Okay, just put a something around them to hold them up. Right, exactly. Okay, but three feet is about a good height to cut them back to? Yeah, that should be fine. And I can do that now? Uh, yeah. Before And again, any kind of pruning you're going to do before the new growth begins. And okay. I mean, there's summer bloomers, correct? Yes. Right. So okay. if you prune anything that blooms in the springtime, you're cutting off the flower. So. Okay. All right. Great. I love your show. All right. Thank well, you. Thanks for having me on your show. And let's get one more call before break. Let's head over to Tim's yard. Hi, Tim. Hello. Hi. Hey, Mike. How you doing? Very good. Good. Hey, Mike. Real quick. So um, my wife and I put it in the screen porch last fall, so, and we made like a bed around it. It's on the northern exposure of our house. It gets like mid-afternoon sun. So we want to do some planting this spring. I don't think about plants, really. And I'm trying to find out what we could uh, put in there that would be kind of um, – Low line, whenever I get really large, it wouldn't block our view of the screen, you know, screen view. So I was looking to see what kind of recommendations you can make when you go to the nursery and what we should look for or ask for. It's maybe a 12 feet, uh, 12 feet long section, if you will. Okay, and how wide is it? Uh, three feet. Three feet. I would, so do you want something that's going to be consistent, persistent through the entire year? So. In a, yeah, or like, or it could be blooming at different times. That's what my wife had suggested. Um, I'm not really sure. Uh, well, that's you know, pr- probably what I would do is yeah. so it's 12 feet. I would first of all just start and just get a couple shrubs. Okay. And I would get the glow, you know, get the dwarf globe okay. arborvitae. Dwarf globe arborvitae. Okay. And a r b o r v i t a e, and it grows in a natural round shape. And just probably get three of those and equally space them in between. Get those established. Then you can always add some color as far as, you know, blooming or foliage-wise after that. But get those established first. Okay. So about three of those, uh, the dwarf globe, arborvita, and space them out. And there's some just blooming things interspersed around them. Right, exactly. Okay. All right, that sounds good. And just so I just go to the nursery, and that's what they'll they'll know what those are. Yeah, it's, just make sure okay. you get the dwarf because the other dwarf, ones get okay. bigger. But the dwarf should stay, you know, within that space you know, parameter that you have. Okay, one last other quick follow up. When's the best time to start planting these? Uh, as soon as dwarf. they're available at the garden centers. And, and is that in typically March, April? Yeah, it's you know it depends upon which one you're going to. And so some of the garden centers are starting to have some plant material already. But okay. uh, just, you know, as long as it's, I would personally, I like yeah. year-round garden centers versus, you know, seasonal type. But uh, it's strictly up to you. Okay. Got it. Well, thank you very much, Mike. S- certainly. My pleasure. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, 314-436-7900 or one 925 Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. 
Yes, folks, have any questions, concerns, or comments, 314-436-7900 or 1-800-925-1120. We do have some phone lines open, and let's head over to Ron's yard. Hi, Ron. Yes, Mike? Yes. Yes. Uh, nice program you got. I really enjoy it. I got a problem with uh, my lawn, and... Uh, uh, at first, it was just a northern exposure, and it's been happening for years. It's this very low, short, uh, green-looking, uh, I don't know what to call it, moss or, or something. And, it, uh, and then <clears throat> I only had it in the front, which is a northern exposure, some of it, you know. Now, in the backyard, I've noticed it's all over the place. I've never had that problem back there. And uh, it's uh, taken over quite a bit. Have you ever heard of uh, this stuff I'm trying to describe to you? Well, it could be moss. I mean, moss, you know, it can be invasive. And usually it's going to, you know, and people always think it's only going to grow in the shade and the woods and things like that. But it can grow in, you know, lots of different types of circumstances. And to try to get rid of it is a nightmare, to be honest with you. So... The best thing you can do is, if it really bothers you, don't look at it. Don't look down. Just, you know, but uh, just kind of skip it and forget it. And you're not going to get rid of it. it. The soil chemistry and everything else, if you want to, you're going to find out the soil, t- you know, you get the soil test done, you're going to find out the pH is pretty acidic in, you know, in your soil. And uh, how it migrates, pieces, chunks can just be broken off from where it's existing and because I have it migrating around my house too, and it's just one of those kind of situations. I don't want to say embrace the moss, but uh, that's probably what you should do. Yeah, yeah. This is very shady area. This is in uh, Florissant, Missouri. Right. And uh, so you have very good soils there for the most part, and it's good soils where it's going to grow. If it's bad soils, then it's not going to. You're never going to have a moss problem, but you're not going to have any kind of problem because you're not going to be able to grow anything. I mean, it is like carpet thin stuff right okay now i got another spot uh that i tried to grow some uh, uh vegetables in last year and uh, uh i just gave up on that i'm not a green thumb person and so i uh i got some grass back there but uh i've got some creeping red fescue uh ready to go to put in there now would this be a good time to put that in there? It's about a uh, twenty by uh, twenty-five by uh, twelve-foot area. It's a little bit early, to be honest with you, to be putting seed down outside because what happens? It could be warm enough. Probably not, though, because soil temperature is what germinate or triggers actually the growth. So springtime, putting any kind of grass seed down is iffy at best. Ideally, fall is better because it's, the soil is really warm from summertime. You could go ahead and try it. I would certainly rake it up first, maybe spread the seed if you want to, and then get some compost or something and just spread it on top of the seed that you put down. Don't put straw. Straw really doesn't do all that much. People right. think it, it holds moisture, it does this, it does that. All it does is make things look really weird. But anyway. Would you say wait to another couple of weeks or so to put spread it down there? Yeah, I mean, ideally. So at least uh, you don't have a soil thermometer probably, but 
you know, it's, and I don't expect you to. Most people don't. But uh, the soil temperature has got to be correct or else the seed, again, uh, could just wash away because we don't know what kind of crazy rains we're going to have or yeah, anything else. And so it's just going to be a waste, potentially a waste of money. Yeah, that's my concern about it. So it might even be into April before I should put it down. Right, exactly. You know. And if it's a shaded location, then even though this is, a, you know, in theory, a shade-tolerant lawn, it's not going to really be all that great. That particular area gets uh, quite a bit of sunlight now. Okay, well, that will help. Okay, so about uh, somewhere between the end of March, early April, probably best time to To, to give that. it a try, yep. And okay. then again, and then plan on over you know overseeding again sometime mid to late August through September. Okay, all right, and uh, I don't see any sense. I don't know. It might be a good idea for you to come out and look at, look it over, <laughs> give me an assessment uh, later on or something. Well, we'll see. So, we'll see. Yeah, I got that your website down. So okay, great. I'm gonna give you a buzz in a month or so, or you know. All right. Sounds good. All right. Well, thank you for your time, Mike, and you have a nice rest of the day. You do the same thing. Let's head over to Jan's yard now. Hi, Jan. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Sure. I talked to you a few weeks ago about my bottle brush buckeye. They're up against my foundation wall, and we're thinking of putting in an egress window, and it looks like two of them will be impacted substantially by them. And I'm wondering, is are they transplantable? They're about four feet high. This is their third year that they've been planted, um, four feet high, four feet wide. Or do you think probably it would not be a good idea to try? You could give it a try as long as you understand okay. the root ball is going to be pretty darn heavy. And if you're going to okay. do it, do it before you start to see any kind of a growth emerging from the stems whatsoever. Okay, okay. Yeah, bottle so brush that, buckeye, I mean, they're colonizers, too. Do you under, you know that, correct? Yes, okay. yes yeah. Because yeah, the, the stand of bottle brush buckeye at the Botanical Garden is huge. Okay, yeah, yeah, they're wonderful there. That's one of the reasons I like them so much. Ah. Okay, good to, all right, good to know. One other quick question. I have knockout roses. They were, you know, the one thing that did really well last year, their coral. Do you have to cut them back other than cutting off the buds in the spring? Is it is it required to or just a good idea? No, people just do it in general because, I mean, there could be some cold damage. Anything, any, okay. let's say, stem that doesn't have any leaves coming out, then go ahead mm-hmm. and cut that off for an aesthetic okay. reason more so than anything. But beyond okay. that, you know, their shrub roses are really tough and durable. So you don't have to do it. Most people do it mm-hmm. for an aesthetic reason. Okay. All right. Okay. That's great. Thank you so much, Mike. Certainly. My pleasure. Now Thanks. let's head over to Philip's yard. Hi, Philip. Hi there. Good morning, Mike. Um, I received several uh, bare root contender uh, peach trees I was hoping to get in March, and they, they arrived a couple of days ago. Um, and I was wondering, should I try to get these in the ground now, or should I wait and just leave them in the basement? Uh, they're probably okay the way they are, but if I was you, what I would do is, you know, I would grow them in a pot for a year or two and okay. and just get, go to your favorite garden center and get, you know, let's say us, I don't know how, what, how long are these? They're about three feet, four three, feet tall. Oh, uh, so you probably need a three or four gallon uh, black plastic nursery pot and just, you know, get the potting mix to, you know, to grow them in. 
and you don't have to do this. This is just you know a possibility, a recommendation. Then wherever you're going to grow them, sink that pot into the ground. So in other words, just okay. leave like the top lip. And the pot's just it's much easier to control as far as your know, moisture and everything else. But if you want to plant them in the ground, I would say go ahead and do it. Get it done uh, pretty quickly. It's, the ground is probably thawed out, even though it got it was so cold. I was surprised. I put a, pushed a shovel or a spade into my ground, and you know it went down in the ground pretty easy. So you could go ahead and plant them now into the ground if you want to, if you got the location ready. And uh, but the pots just you know, like I said, easier to control potential pot- problems and things along that line. Okay. All right. Great. Well, thank you very much. Sure. My pleasure. Yeah. Bare root roses, bare root trees, they're really going to show up at the nurseries. And the reason why I'm saying put them in pots, a lot of the garden centers, when I left the botanical garden, I went to Old Orchard Gardens, which is in West County. We got a lot of bare root plant material that we planted in pots and grew them in pots. And as opposed to, we sold some bare roots, but for the most part, we grew the bare root stuff in pots and then sold them that way. So anyway, Mike Miller, KMOX Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, we're going to jump the river and head over to Ken's yard. Hi, Ken. Yep, good morning. Good morning. I'd like to start uh, some vegetable seeds uh, inside to transplant out later on. Uh, I've always had trouble keeping them alive. They they get very tall. I don't know if that's called damping off, or or and how do I prevent that? Basically, it's elongation, and you got to get the grow lights. And you got to have the grow lights only about two inches above, you know, the plant material. So as it as it grows, just move it, move the grow lights up a little bit. So that's what the you know this elongation is really what the you know the problem is. You can I mean. Basically, you know, you start them this, uh, right now a little bit. Maybe you can wait for another week or two. But, uh, mm-hmm. you know, potting mix for starting plant material, if, you got, if you're really into it, get, uh, there's a, actually a heat mat called bottom heat mat, and that will warm the potting mix up. And then the grow lights, you got to have it really close to them or else they're just going to stretch out. I thought it was a moisture issue. But. No, 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 not at all. I mean, really? you could cause problems, but it has nothing to do with moisture. It's just they're elongating because they're tr- they're just stretching out, and they're not having adequate light to make it so they don't stretch out. Oh, that's great. Okay, thank you. Certainly, my pleasure. Yep. And now let's go to Richard's yard. Hi, Richard. Hey, Richard, are you there? Hey, oh. Mike, how are you, buddy? Good. Hey, I uh, got some coneflowers, and I haven't done anything with them. And uh, can I, should I cut them back, or I have no idea? You mean they're outgrowing in your yard? They, yes. So probably the finches and everything have already eaten all the seeds off them that, that they needed or they want. So, yeah, you can cut any of those stems. Use probably with the coneflowers, you're going to still see green foliage at the base. But anything that's not green, that's, you know, obviously gone through winter dormancy, just cut all that off. You cut it down to the ground, no problem? Yeah, I mean, if you've got green leaves, don't cut the green leaves off. No, no, there's no green leaves. Oh, really? Okay, because usually uh, they should have some green leaves. Not a whole lot, but a few. Well, how long have they been in the ground? 
two years. Okay, so that might be problem. You know what the situation is. So as they mature, you're going to start to see a clump of green leaves through the entire winter time. Oh, well, thank you for the information. Sure. Second question. Second question. It seems like I'm always getting too late on the crabgrass uh, to put out uh, in the yard. Uh, can I put it out now? No. It'd be a waste no. of time. Wait until the yellow forsythia is in bloom. That's when the soil temperature triggers a forsythia in bloom, but that's the same soil temperature that triggers the germination of crabgrass or any kind of warm season annual weed. And so if you put it out too early, it's just going to dissipate. It's going to be drenched by rains and everything else way before the seed's going to germinate. So you still, you know, there's no way to know exactly when, you know, I can't put a calendar date on it. Just, fi- you know, find out a forsythia in your neighborhood. And as soon as you see it in flower, get that, you know, crabgrass preventer down at that time. No uh, guesstimate on a time. Now. No, it's impossible. <laughs> Because, I mean, it's all weather-related. So weather, you know, if it stayed cold like it was for a longer period of time, the ground's going to stay cold. So once the ground is still cold, then you're not going to get the yellow forsythia shrub to bloom, and you're not going to get those seeds of those annual weeds, those warm-season annual weeds, to germinate. So, All right, Mike. I appreciate it. Great show, buddy. Well, thanks. And what you could do also is maybe go to the Missouri Botanical Garden website, mobot.org, and see if they can give you a prediction you know, much better than I can as far as when the forsythia may be in bloom. Thank you, sir. Sure. And now let's see. Where should we go? Let's go over to Sue's yard. Hi, Sue. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, yes, I have a question. Enjoy your show so much. But we have um, a reed grass. It's called Forster's Feather Reed Grass. Yes. We did not trim it down last uh, fall <clears throat> because it's only it's only it's brand new. Uh, purchased it last year, about three foot tall. When's a good time? My husband noticed a few little green shoots starting to come up. Should we get go ahead and get that trimmed right now? Yeah, I would. Yeah. Definitely. How far back? I'd probably cut it back down to about six inches or so. Okie dokie. Okay, thanks so much. And I have I have to tell you something. I've never had any luck raising uh, dahlias. Not dahlias. Oh, what are they called? Um, Gladiolas? No, no. Uh, Denny, what's that flower I've got in the basement? Gerber daisies. Oh. And I love them. And so last year I had such good luck. I bought the plants at a, uh, a greenhouse, mm-hmm. you know, and beautiful. So I thought, I'm just going to save them, put them in the basement. I have a Gerber daisy blooming right now. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> so um, I guess I'll just let it stay there. I think I may transplant it into something different, but... Um, yeah, got a Gerber daisy right now. Yeah, you can, I mean, you can take it outside for the summertime. I do that same thing. I don't do it with Gerber daisies, but I do it with, like, Rex begonias for a couple years and things like that. I grow them outside uh-huh. in pots and then bring them inside. You know, I have grow lights in the basement, but uh, that's what I do. Yes, it's been fun to watch. <laughs> right. Okay, thank you so much. We enjoy your show immensely. Well, thank you. Thanks uh-huh. for having me on your show. And yes, thank get, you. Bye-bye. And from Sue's yard, we're headed over to Ann's. Hi, Ann. Yes, hi, good morning. I actually do the same thing. I have two uh, dahlia plants in pots, and I bet they're 10 years old. I bring them in every year. Wow. I basically ignore them. I 
water them a little bit over the winter, but not much. I stick them outside, and there's absolutely nothing there, and they come back every year. Perfect. (laughs) My question is, I read recently that uh, we should not be chopping our dead growth, our dead stuff from last year on plants because they're possibly our butterflies and other beneficial insects overwintering, and that if you cut them back now, uh, uh, you know, you're getting rid of them, and you should wait till it's consistently 50 degrees. Is that... What do you think? Well, I mean, that could be true, but, uh, you know, it's generally I just, you know, the debris that's there, overwintering insects, I wouldn't, you know, I, you know, I just, I cut it off. I cut stuff off myself. So that could be a, a situation that I might be eliminating some, but I just cut them and, you know, then basically I put them in the yard waste dumpster. So wherever they're going and they become, you know, Maybe they'll survive that type of situation, but uh, well, I, I'd never heard that before. Yeah, so that yeah, that just you know, I'm I'd be a little bit more concerned about the insects that are overwintering in the foliage <laughs> that's there are problematic insects as opposed to aesthetic insects. <laughs> I didn't think of that. <laughs> so I mean, that's where the like some of the real troublemakers are overwintering in, let's say, mum foliage or whatever it happens to be that's you know persistent. I see. Okay. Thank you. Sure. And let's go to another Ken's yard. Hi, Ken. Hi, Mike. I think you partially answered my question a couple callers ago, but my lawn service came out this past Wednesday, and they applied the first application for the year. And um, they only showed that they put down fertilizer. And I went last year and looked, and they showed that on March the 3rd, they put down fertilizer and pre-emergent. So my question is, was it too early for them to put down fertilizer? They showed a 2505. And um, am I paying for something that I shouldn't be getting this early in the year? Well, to be honest with you, I think, you know, it is a little bit early because, uh, first of all, what kind of lawn do you have? Um, it's a fescue. So it's a fescue. So it's a cool season lawn. So, but at, you know, 2500, that's huge amount. That's nitrogen is that first number. It will stay in the ground, you know, for about three or four days. Hopefully, it, you know, works its way down into the soil and the, the root system grabs it. And then it actually heads up into the air. So, uh, you know, to me, it seems a little bit premature, but, uh, you know, they, they have their system. And so, I can't argue with their system, but it seems early to me. Yeah, I can kind of argue with your system. I've been having some problems with them the last couple of years, and I thought I was going to drop them. I thought I'd give them one more year. But for the example that I gave that I'm showing on March the 2nd of last year when they put down the fertilizer and pre-emergent, right. that's basically was wasting money, right? Because um, forsythias wouldn't have been blooming on March the 2nd of last year. Right, they weren't, for sure. So to me, uh, it can... The, th- the problem with, let's say, the, pre, uh, the pre-emergent is it creates a sheet, an invisible sh- chemical sheet on the ground. But when you walk on it and do other things, you break that barrier. So if you get it down too early, then the chances of it, the barrier being broken is going to be much greater. And that's, you know, that's where I, you know, I worry about those kind of things. Yeah, because I had called them and asked them uh and the uh, problem you call some of these services, they're out-of-town people that you're talking with. And I asked them, well, why didn't they put down pre-emergent? They said, I don't know. They should have. So they said they were going to come out here again Monday and put down pre-emergent. So I think I'll need to give them a call Monday morning and, 
and uh, find out exactly what is going on. So, right. One go- All right. You answered that for me, sir. Thank you. Sure. My pleasure. Okay. Mike Miller, KMOS Garden Hotline, back after these messages. Welcome back to the St. Louis Composting Garden Hotline. Once again, Mike Miller on KMOX. Yes, folks, let's head to Laverne's yard. Hi, Laverne. Good morning. Hi. Uh, I have a question about my magnolia. It's about oh, almost six feet tall, but the bottom branches are so close to the ground. Can I cut those off? And if I do, do I have to put something on the uh, cut? No, there's nothing anymore available that's going to make any difference as far as a cut. Days of old, they had pruning sealers and things like that, but they had lead in them that prevented bacteria, fungus problems from the cut, you know, the cut area. But, yeah, you can limit up. So uh, just realize that I don't know how long the branches are, but uh, probably you're better off to cut it off in sections, maybe halfway from the end to the trunk, cut it right there, and then make the final cut right at the trunk where you're going to take it off and leave a stub of about a quarter inch. Okay. I thank you very much. Sure, my pleasure. And if you want to, you can wait until right after it flowers. There's no problem doing that. If you look at the end of the branches and you see the fuzzy bud, which is the flower bud. Okay. All righty. Thank you very much. Yes. I appreciate it. And now let's go over to Mary's yard. Hi, Mary. Hi, Mike. Um, So I'm hearing a lot about these uh, knockout roses. I've never done anything with them, but um, I'm thinking I would like to plant some in a pot for my front porch, which is pretty sunny. Um, And I was just wondering what time, I mean, when to do that. Is it time now? Should I wait a little bit? Well, they're not going to be available. Okay. So basically you're going to have to wait until the garden centers have them. The roses... It may be, let's say, mid to late April before they're going to be, you know, they're going to have them. They may have them a little bit sooner than that. But just realize that, they, you know, that you know, in a pot, you're going to have to watch them fairly closely as far as watering and get rose food and fertilize them once a month, just like if they were in the ground with rose mm-hmm. food. Okay. Do you think it's a good idea or not? Well, I mean, they get big. So, no, and you don't have what, you know, with something like that, like I do with a lot of the things I grow in pots, you can grow it and enjoy it for a full season and just kind of treat it like an annual. And at the end of the season, just kind of compost and get rid of it or whatever. And then you mm-hmm. could get a neck if you've enjoyed them, you could get another one if you want, or you could try to, you know, let it winter over in the pot if you'd like to do it that way. Right. I really don't have room for one in my yard, which is why I was thinking of doing it that way. Ah, sure. So, okay. All right. Well, thank you. Yeah. So just wait till they become available. Right. It's going to be right it's going to be a couple more weeks for sure. Okay. Wonderful. Thank you so much for your show. I love it. Well, thanks. Thanks for having mm-hmm. me on your show. And now let's head to Tom's yard. Hi, Tom. Hi, Mike. Hi. Uh, thanks for your service. Sure. Can you hear me? Yes. Okay. Uh, I have a maple tree that's about twenty to. 25 to 30 feet tall, and roots are coming up on the ground all around it. Not real high, but enough that I don't want to mow over it. And I'm trying to figure out what to do. I've looked online, put dirt around the whole thing, mulch. Uh, what's my uh, solution there? So, so I can, uh, and I presume the roots are coming up because they need air, water, sun. Basically, they're doing it because it's genetic. So, in other words, maple trees generally have surface roots. 
There's no, yeah, I mean, not every variety of maple, but the majority of the varieties of maple will do that. And depending upon the soil type, it depends upon, you know, how much and, you know, everything else. But there's not too much you can do about it. Putting soil on top of it is nothing. You don't want to do that. Don't do that whatsoever. If you want to, you can try to grow. You can grow a ground cover to cover it, or you can use the mulch. But realize the mulch is going to migrate, you know, with weather and things along that line. So, Is cedar mulch okay on it? Oh, yeah. That's fine. Okay. All right, thank you. Yeah, and I mean, I don't know how meticulous you are. You can put an edger around, but uh, with the surface roots, it's a little bit tough to do the edger, so you're probably better off just to kind of leave it organic and let it, you know, if they move a little bit. But the soil will just migrate and melt away. The mulch, get you know, with the cedar-type mulch, with the bigger chunks, that's the best thing to do. The cedar will keep it from getting higher. No, so well, they won't, it won't keep it from higher. getting higher. It's just you won't have to look at them. Right. So there's or no. I the mean, there's nothing. Them. You know, the tree is. The tree. I mean, the tree is just healthy, and this is just part of the healthy growth. Okay. Sounds good. Thank you. Yep. There's no. I mean, I grew up in Maple Lane in Ellisville. We had more. <laughs> We had a lot of maple trees, and we had a lot of surface roots. We had silver maples. But anyway, thanks, Tom. And final call of the day is going to be Larry. Larry, how are you? I'm great, Mike. Uh, listen, the, the um, guys call earlier about the timing of fertilizing his yard and what to put down got me thinking about fungicide. Uh, every year the lawn looks great, looks like Augusta National, and then I get fungus. I do put fungicides down, but what is – what is too soon to, to start treating for fungus? Uh, and also, if you could go over the pre-emergent thing again, it sounded like you don't think that they're worth the, the trouble. No, I, I think they're it. worth the trouble. If you, But just putting it down too soon is a waste of money and a waste of time. But there's all kinds of, I mean, there's all kinds of, you know, weeds that uh, you're getting, you're eliminating, you know, as a process by putting the pre-emergent down. But just putting it down too early or too late, if the weed seeds have already germinated, too late, it's not going to do a darn bit of good. And too early, it can be so diluted due to the rain or whatever it happens to be, then it's not going to work. So that's kind of what the problem is with that. And now what was the other the other question? Uh, fungi- the main question was about fungicide. Right. Uh, what, what is too soon to, to put fungicide down, granular fungicide on a fescue lawn to uh, try to prevent it from coming up? Uh, probably since it's going to be granular, you're going to have to water it in afterwards. I would say, you know, too soon would be some, you know, sometime in probably, let's say through the month of March and maybe through early April, I would, my tendency would be to, again, weather-wise, temperature-wise, uh, probably mid to late April through the 1st of May. That's when I would do it. That would be the earliest possible. And then mid-May, if we're having more or less a cooler spring. Sounds great. And what about timing on pre-emergent? Again, it's, uh, you know, it's all weather, it's soil temperature related. So that's why I, you know, tell people to use the yellow forsythia in their neighborhood as opposed to, you know, giving a specific calendar date. So when you see those, that's the time? Yes. Or that's too late? No, no, no. That's the time to do it. That's when the soil temperature is, would basically start triggering the uh, germination of the weed seeds or any kind of seed. I mean, it doesn't just kill weed seeds. It kills anything that's germinating from seed. 
Sure, appreciate that. That's great, Mike. Have a great weekend. Yep, you do the very same thing. And another couple things uh, that you might be thinking about just kind of in general. Uh, get out there and uh, clean up if you have an asparagus bed. Get it all cleaned out. Remove the weeds. Get rid of all the dead stalks and everything else. And uh, it's a good time of year when you can start planting some of the cool season edibles like peas and lettuce and spinach and all those kind of things also. And uh, get the cut ornamental grasses cut back. This is a time to get that done. And uh, prune your spring flowering shrubs after they bloom. So thanks to everybody for calling. I greatly appreciate it. Mike Miller, KMWAS Garden Hotline. I will see you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.